I've lived in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. If you've been wondering where I've been the last few weeks, I was recuperating from an encounter with an SUV going pretty fast and running a red light. I'm a lot better now and I'm ready to introduce you to several interesting artists, starting with this week's guest. I met Bridget Larson when Gary started playing with the Bayshore area band Madison Avenue. This is the band Bridget Fronts, but she's also a songwriter, a singing instructor, a musician who plays several instruments, and of course, an incredible singer. And she's a really spiritual person as well. Although I've spoken to Bridget on several occasions, this is really the first time we really got to sit down and talk and get to know each other. Thank you for coming, Bridget. I am so happy to be here. Now, are you still Bridget Larson or you're... Well, I am Bridget Larson Cacapardo. That's my married name. But I do still go by Bridget Larson just because I'm more known in the area yeah. for that. You have your, your fame to think about. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> So you are in a band now, hmm. Madison Avenue, Yes. in which you are the only female. I am. What is it like being the only woman working with a bunch of middle-aged men? I would say I'm the rose among the thorns. That's what they always say. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago when I was single, I was dating, and they were like all my big brothers. It was so cool. They'd be like, well, are you bringing this new guy around, you know? Well, we're going to check them out. You know, everybody in the band was, like, concerned because they just wanted me not to get hurt. And I really thought, oh, well, this is cool. I have such a great camaraderie with them. I love it. I don't know. You're kind of one of the guys when you're a singer. How did COVID affect not just your career but your new role as a married woman? Oh, well, that's a very interesting question. Where do I start? Uh, honestly, I think the whole COVID thing, for me being, you know, a self-employed musician full-time in many different ways – that alone just was crazy for me because I'm used to being one-on-one -on -one or in front of people. I am stimulated by conversation and, you know, and all of that. So I was in the dumps. Like it, it was crazy how quick it happened for me, too. Mm. I, I remember I would just think, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like, I didn't realize the impact that relating with other people has on me on a regular basis. Yeah. And then the lack of that just really did. And it was funny because my husband works in the food industry, so he had to work. When we first dated, we were out in the deck one time, and he said, oh, you're cold. Let me get you a sweatshirt. So he got me this sweatshirt, and it was big and cozy and whatever. Well, I'm telling you, he would come home every day, and I'm in that sweatshirt. And eventually he's like, baby, are you ever going to take that sweatshirt off? I'm like, yeah. I take it off at night. Like, just leave me alone. <laughs> he got to see that part of me that I didn't even know was in there. Yeah. It was sort of a vulnerable time for yeah. me. It's unusual to be in that vulnerable position in the very first year of your marriage. I found that I was, in fact, I was so busy, I was like, I couldn't fit everything in I wanted to do. Yeah. And I would have like five projects going at once. That's great. And so, of course, like I don't finish half of them. I mean, I did do a lot of that cleaning out stuff in the beginning. And then my husband said to me, well, why aren't you writing music? Like, now you have all this time. Write music, write music, concentrating music. And I would say to him, but you don't understand. You have to be... You have to have some sort of a some, impetus. Yeah, yeah some exactly. motivation. There's got to be some inspiration, whether it's sad or happy. And then one day I remember thinking, he's so right. Like, just sit down and do something. And I ended up writing a lot of really kind of unique, cool songs that I'm happy with. Oh, and great. I'm never happy with anything I write. Most of the artists that I've been interviewing 
have had their creative life as a second career. But performing and teaching is really how you make your living, right? It really is, yep. And it wasn't always like that. I was in the corporate world for a long time. I was in sales. Oh. Yeah, so I traveled a lot, and um, I love people. What did you sell? I sold uh, flavors. It just wasn't me because I just, well, first of all, I don't really like to put chemicals in my food, and a lot of it felt like that. I kept thinking, well, I'm not honoring myself if I'm going against what I believe, you know. Right. That was part of it. But I was miserable. I ended up finally just making it official. Like, I just quit everything. It was through a long, long process, sure. of course, a long journey. So then I started teaching. I have my own teaching studio where I teach voice, piano, guitar, and ukulele, and sometimes songwriting, depending on the situation. And then, yeah, I'm in a lot of different bands. I do my own thing solo and trio and duo with my husband and, of course, Madison Avenue. And then I also work for a church, so I do music for a church which I've done for years, which I did a lot, a lot of music ministry over the years. So it's been a huge blessing. Do you teach violin? I don't. Because I I bought myself a violin, and I was trying to teach myself, but it's, like, really hard. I know, because I bought myself one, too, with the intention of getting somebody to teach me. Yeah. And And the thing was, when you have nails, you really can't play the violin with nails, you know? Sorry, those are going to have to come off. No, (laughs) yeah. I love teaching. I never thought I would like it. And somebody recommended that I do it. And I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and then it was funny because I kind of got in a situation where I had to. Mm-hmm. And it was it really up my game. And I, I didn't realize, just I think it's like anything else in life. I didn't realize how much I knew until I had to teach it or, yeah. or discuss it. And, and it was super fun to help people with their craft. It's just cool when you know something that's going to help them and then you see it work instantly. I love, that's what I love about teaching. And I also learned everybody's so different the way they learn, yeah. you know? And I remember when I was taking piano lessons when I was a little kid, that teacher couldn't care less about the way I learned. She just wanted to teach me what she normally does and sit there and take her money. I'm not trying to say she was a horrible person, but she just didn't take the time. And I quit. So I like to try to figure that out because then you can really help somebody. And people can be amazing if they get the right tools. Yeah, and that's it. And I really like teaching, too, because, like, you you figure out the person and then you just find, like, what is it that's going to incentivize them. Hook onto that one thing and and all of a sudden you see the light. And when you're talking about music, particularly voice, in my experience, it's very, very personal because it's your instrument is literally your body. Yeah. And there's so much that goes into it as far as your ego and your second guessing everything and your your so it's it's kind of amazing. Like a lot of my older people, especially who come to me, we end up having like a therapy session half the yeah. time because <laughs> they're crying and they're you know. And I always tell them like this is your self discovery and there's no wrong until I always tell, encourage people just to like release everything. I'm your helper, not your I'm not, not your the, critic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I'm going to assess and try to figure out how to help you, but it's just fun because we'll have, yeah. you have to let your guard down. So, of course, I have heard you sing many times since yes. Gary plays drums in Madison Avenue, yes. but I know that rock and roll isn't the only music that you sing. No. You have a huge investment in Christian music. Yes. Tell me about your album. It was in 2010. I put out an album. It was a labor of love, I tell you. Worked really, really hard on it, but it did get, get some critical acclaim, which was nice. It did win an award, which was amazing. People's Choice Award for Independent Music Awards. Wow. But the bad thing is, is and I laughed then, I laughed, but I was like, I don't even get to wear a dress. Like, they had no ceremony at the time. I was like, come on! I want to wear a dress. Mm. <laughs> but aside from that, it didn't really do anything, because I didn't really try to, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have to market it. Yeah, and you have to be signed. I did get some, some nice radio play from it because of the award. That was really great, but it's not even about that necessarily. It was a really a labor of love, produced really well. I had some amazing musicians on it. Mm-hmm. In fact, Leon and her mom mm. sang on it, and oh. that was her mom's last recording. And her and her mom, I mean, it was pretty intense because her mom was pretty sick at the time. But oh. and they made that album. I mean, there's they're on two songs, and it, to me, it was like iconic to have them. You are worthy. 
was the name of the album? He is. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it is. It's on iTunes. It's on my website. Well, I think it's, I kind of changed my website because I'm doing a lot more of the rock stuff now. So I'm geared up more towards that. Now, if you look at Christian music versus rock music, secular music can be really sexual. So how do you, how do you reconcile that? Well, that's a great question. And I think for a lot of years, I just didn't, I just didn't. I would change words a lot of times in songs, and I still do. Like, I love Alanis Morissette. I love doing some of her songs, but some of the words she says, I'm not saying them, just because. I'm just not. It's not that I, I won't say them in private, or I won't say them when I'm in my car, or whatever, but I just don't want to, I don't know. Some of those things I still don't reconcile. But I think, unfortunately, this is probably a, a whole different topic, but that Christian market of music, it's actually pretty broad, too. They have a lot of hard rock, heavy rock, and it's all, you know, positive spin, usually, and also heavy spiritually and all of that but I think unfortunately in that whole realm and I'm not talking about God I'm talking about the church can just absolutely be so narrow-minded and I think that sexuality is you're specifically talking about that because of music is God-given I mean there's a whole book in the Bible written about it and they shame it unfortunately as a whole I mean I've learned so much in the last five or six years about some things that I was taught that I don't necessarily think are 100% what it was meant to be taught and I don't think it's intentional I don't think people I mean in this age and I think it's sad I've never felt more alive than when I fell in love with my husband and had sex with him and I just said that on here but (laughs) I mean for real like I was just like oh this makes total sense God made that like this yeah. to me god made sex to be celebrated right it's right it wasn't to something be, to be ashamed of or, of course yeah. not and it's it's, it's not like sinful. a literally a yeah. need like eating and drinking i mean it is now i've reconciled that so some, like i said some things i won't sing but for the most part i don't know whatever you told me once that you were getting some pushback from people that were kind of turned off by your christian music Oh, I did tell you that. Oh, that's so funny. Yes, I had people, some people in my life say, why don't you take your Christian music off your website? Because it doesn't represent what people in the clubs and stuff want to hear. And I said, well, that's fine. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get what you're saying, except for they don't have to hear that. I'm not going to play my Christian music in the club. I think this was because there was um, some talk of a, like one of those shows was going to take them looking at me and they didn't want them to see that. And I thought, well, that's stupid. It's totally foundational for me and a huge part of my journey and I traveled all over the country doing Christian music with other women and doing amazing things and learned so much about myself musically Mm -hmm. and even about my faith and about what you're talking about the sort of narrow-minded thing like it helped me see a lot of things I wouldn't have seen if I was just sitting in my little home church and Mm -hmm. I've worked for churches for years now as everyone knows this country is very divided right now Hmm. many people are protesting against police violence in the BLM movement Others are demanding the right to ignore the safety precautions that some governors have mandated. Of course, now that's calming down a little bit. Yeah. So what role do you think music can play in bringing these two diverse groups closer together? Well, I think music is a universal language. That I learned, especially traveling across the world. And, And if I go back to my Christian music roots, I remember being in environments that were couldn't understand a word we were saying. Like we were in Spanish-speaking countries that were very poor and didn't understand English. And the, the response to the music was exactly the same as it was when they understood the words. So I think if we could pull off all of those opinions with music, it would be great. Yeah. I wish music would stay out of it, but people with a voice will speak. And I guess that's part of the reason why people want a voice. Yeah. Now, I know you're a singer and you're a <laughs> guitarist. But before my next question, I want you to talk about the other instruments you play, because you play a lot of instruments. Well, I don't know about a lot. Yeah. What is that? The, you play the flute. I play the flute. 
play the guitar. Yeah. I would not Piano, call myself, obviously. though. Let me, I'm going to actually correct you. A guitarist. I don't consider myself a guitarist. You play the guitar, though. I do. Yeah, I'm pretty good at rhythm. I can hold down a good rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> but my first instrument and in love was always piano. I grew up just playing anything by ear. So that was always my first love. It still is. And I'm someday, darn it, I'm going to have a Yamaha baby grand piano in my living room. Mm. I just have to get a living room first, and then yeah. I'll have the piano. But that I play. So, yeah, flute, ukulele. You want to hear something funny? A friend of mine goes, hey, listen, I got, I got you a gig as a ukulele player uh, at a wedding. And I go, well, I don't play ukulele. He goes, nah, that's okay. You'll figure it out. Hey, and I think to myself, what well, confidence he has in me. You know, yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, you're right. So I book a gig. Can't play a note on the ukulele, right? Get a ukulele. I learn seven or eight songs on the ukulele, and now I teach it. <laughs> Isn't that great? So it's really not that many. I mean, I guess that's it. That's but you can't many. play the violin. I can't play the darn violin. Damn it. I wish you could so you could teach me how to play I the know. violin. So because you play these different instruments, you you really have the unique advantage of being able to perform on your own without needing another artist to back you up. Yes. Of course, like as a drummer, Gary is pretty limited in the number of gigs that he can play on his own. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you can you can only do so many drum solos before people no. start throwing things at They're you. Like <laughs> How much of the work that you do is solo, and how much of it is a collaboration? Oh, gosh. I would probably say half is probably solo. Because I'll do things like nursing homes and things like that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, weddings, um, you know, ceremony music, funerals. That's always just me and a piano, usually. And then, like I said before, I do actually do have my husband play with me. He plays bass. Yeah, and he loves to play, and he's learning so much. He's very teachable. So it's cool because it's, you know, it's great to do it together. So you, you've done a lot of traveling. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. With the Christian ministry, I used to travel with a woman. She had a, a ministry to teach Christian people about the Muslim religion so they weren't so afraid. I met up with her in 2004, and we traveled to Mexico. We, we traveled with the Voice of the Martyrs. It's an organization that gives a voice to the martyrs. And she would teach, and I would do the music. And so that was one of the instances where I was talking about music I saw have the same impact as people who couldn't even speak our language. It was just amazing to me, transformative for me, too. Mm -hmm. We were out west for three, four weeks at a time, just traveling from church to church and just teaching people not to be afraid and to love people. It was a beautiful message, just to love each other and not be so crazy, you know. And then another thing was that the Christian ministry was with other women. It was called the Christian Divas, and I always hated the name. I'm like, okay, really? But it meant divinely inspired, victorious artists. That's what it stood for. It was three or four women at a time, and we would go out, and we all had different stories. Just sharing with women love to talk. And when you share your experiences and your heartaches and your joys and your triumphs together from all different walks of life, there's healing. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. So it was kind of wonderful because we'd have three or four different people and so different styles of music, so different journeys, and uh, we had a great time. It was amazing. I loved it. So let's talk about the music that you've written. Some of it's Christian music, which we discussed earlier, but what other kinds of music have you written? I mean, I love blues. I've been writing a lot of bluesy. um, I'm a big Susan Tedeschi fan, too, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. People keep telling me I sound a little country, which kind of makes sense. I did live in Nashville for quite a while. I was kind of pursuing that angle for a while. But I don't love country, but I liked that it was more wholesome then than what the way pop was turning. This is in the early 90s. So some of the stuff I write is sort of Adele-ish, Amy Winehouse-ish, too, because I love singing their music. So it's just kind of more of a bluesy twist, and um, I'm really trying to get some of that recorded. You know what's funny, though? I love One song I love to sing is Stormy Weather. There's an old, uh, right? I yeah. just do whatever version I do, and I love singing that song. Uh, I just, I don't know why.
drugs and alcohol really can drag people down. And yeah. it's a lot of it is because of the venues that they play in and the people that hang around them. People that drink a lot and do a lot of drugs like to go to clubs, too. So how do you avoid getting dragged down by these elements? It's funny, for years I, I didn't drink at all. It wasn't really a part of my life. I was with somebody who didn't really drink, so I would have like a glass of wine or two at a wedding. or And then when I got in the band, and I wasn't really with that person anymore, it was just a, a little bit of a different lifestyle. So I started exploring it a little bit, but it was never an issue for me. And then I had one of the guys in the band said to me, I was kind of nervous because I was going through a lot in my life at the time, and I was just constantly critical and of myself and whatever. So he said to me, why don't you just have a drink and relax before you sing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And then I did, and it was a huge difference. So huge difference where I just felt just relaxed. But then if you overdo it, it's not good. Like, it's not good for your voice. You have to be careful. And I didn't know how to do it because I hadn't drank for so long. So they have a few nights that I thought to myself, well, I don't know exactly what's happening here, but I <laughs> I think I sound good, but I don't, I don't think so for sure. So you're going to have to ask Gary about that. So as I mentioned to you before, as, I, as I've mentioned to everybody, uh, I love karaoke. Not because I'm a good singer, but because people are forced to let me sing. <laughs> and now that I have you here, I want to sing a song with you. Okay. Yep. Some boys kiss me, some boys hug me, I think they're okay. Okay. If they don't give me proper credit, I just walk away. They can beg and they can plead, but they can't see the light. That's right. Cause the boy with the cold hard cash is always Mr. Right Cause we are living in a material world And I am a material girl You know that we are living in a material world And I am a material girl <laughs> We were talking about you teaching music and teaching singing when I was in high school, I took opera, and it wasn't my thing, but I, I learned a lot of good stuff from there, but I also learned a lot of bad stuff <laughs> when it comes to singing pop music and rock. It just doesn't apply. So later in life, I had to learn how to sing my kind of my own way, and I was singing a lot, so I never I would lose my voice a lot, so I had to learn how to care for it and sing different. So I had done a little bit of damage. So I started to research kind of how to do that, and I stumbled upon this method created by Seth Riggs called speech level singing, SLS it is. So I started researching that, and it's, it's kind of hard at first because you're not used to singing properly, <laughs> basically, for rock. And so what it, essentially what it is is the same level of effort that you use when you speak is the same level of effort you use when you sing. So if you're talking, like right now, I should be able to go right into a sing, and it's no big deal. You don't hear anything different. A lot of people will say, oh, sing, and they'll go, hey! It's like all this effort. All the muscles engaged shouldn't change. The effort and the power and all that comes from your body and from your breath and from your intent. So that's kind of my approach. You know, people ask me all the time, can you teach anybody to sing? You can teach them how to sing, but it doesn't mean they're going to get it. Tone deaf is a thing. We've mentioned you play with Madison Avenue, but what are the names of the other groups that you well, perform with? So yeah, a really innovative name, the Bridget Larson Band. Sometimes it's just me, other times it's a duo, other times it's a trio. So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. It's under Bridget Singing, no G on the end. And then my website, BridgetLarson.com. So this is going to be the last question. Okay. If a young singer approached you and asked you for your advice about a career in music, what would you tell her? I would definitely say train. Don't get cocky. Know who you are as an artist. Know what you want. Most importantly, in, learn an instrument. 
because no, hardly anybody knows how to play anything anymore, and it's very frustrating, even for themselves, know how to figure out what key that you want to sing in. And, you know, if you're going to write music, learn how to play it, and then you don't have to count on anybody else. So now that we've managed to settle all the problems in the world <laughs> with music. Yes. Amen. I want to thank you for coming. This has really oh, been a lot of thank fun. thank you. We've been trying for a while. Yes, I know. Thanks it's to like COVID. Since COVID, yeah. <laughs> and we're sitting here without masks on outside. I know. Woohoo! Of course, you've had COVID. I have. So. It was so exciting. Yeah. I survived it, though. And you know what? A lot of people didn't, and that's yeah. tragic. Yeah. I love your podcast. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank it's you. It's great that somebody's doing that around here, because this is a, really a well-known musical area in the Jersey Shore. There are so many artists in this area, yeah. and I'm, I'm not limiting it to the Jersey Shore anymore, yeah. because I'm really just covering all of New Jersey. Oh, so. good for you. <laughs> Thanks again, thank Bridget. Thank you so much. I love the arts. And I love to talk. And that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Osapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk.